So, Hans, are you ready for your first ever podcast? I am. I'm All excited. All right. I'm excited. We have the coffee ready. We got the coffee brewed. Um, I am pumped. So, this is definitely going to be a brand new thing for both of us. So, here goes nothing. All right. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Coffee Theology Jesus Podcast. I am your host, Tim Whitaker, joined here by my new and, I would argue, improved host, Hans. My name's Hans Hageman. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Wait, is that how you say your last name? Hageman. Oh, I thought it was always Hagman. No, a a long a. Hageman. 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 Okay, I will get that down. Um, welcome, Hans, to the podcast. Thanks, Tim. Glad yes. to be here. I am excited to have you here. Um, for those of you who are Facebook friends of mine, most of you probably know Hans uh, um, because of the uh, the many conversations that he's been a part of on my Facebook, which is which is awesome because it offers a brand new perspective, in my opinion. So. It certainly is a new perspective, yes. <laughs> yes. And I know a lot of people actually messaged me when I mentioned that you were going to be on the podcast, excited to listen. So That's hopefully great. we give them one good show. Um, as always, I want to start off with the coffee that we're drinking. This is um, a very um, foreign blend. The name is Dunkin' Donuts, also known oh, as yes, I know Dunkin' Donuts in the States. So very high end. Yeah, it's exciting. Oh yes, very. You rarely can find this stuff around here, <laughs> right? It's 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 a real rarity. So, <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts and Wawa around here. Every time one leaves your peripheral vision, another one comes in on the other side. That is true. Yeah, I was the other day. I was in a Dunkin' Donuts that was actually inside another larger Dunkin' Donuts. No way. <laughs> Wait, where were you? Everywhere in New Jersey is like that, man. Yeah. I, well, I think of uh, Route 38 over here. It's either Wawa or Dunkin' Donuts. That's all it is the whole way. There's four Wawas on this road, and I think there's four Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, they're all they're putting in new ones all the time. They're putting yeah. in the new one. Well, anyway. Yeah, no, whole, whole different subject. <laughs> but <laughs> awesome, awesome. This week on the Dunkin' Donuts Wawa podcast. Yes. <laughs> well, I will say, uh, in Wawa's defense, they do have uh, their turkey bowls, which are back. So a lot of the food is good. I'm a big fan. I got to be honest. So let me ask you this, Hans: Do you have a preference over Wawa coffee or Dunkin' Donuts coffee? I would probably go with Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, you know, right. though, McDonald's has surprisingly good coffee. I have to say. I've heard that. I don't eat the food, right. but the coffee is very good. Hmm, interesting. All right. Well, there's your coffee uh, coffee knowledge for today um, for everyone out there listening as we go on this rant about Dunkin' Donuts and Wawa. If you don't know what Wawa is, that means that you don't live around here in the Jersey or really East Coast area, and I feel terrible for you because Wawa is it's really a Jersey staple in my opinion. Yeah, it's the best. Thank you. It's That's the super best. Convenient. All right, Hans, let's move into some good stuff here. All right. So, um. It's no secret that you and I are not only, I would say, pretty good friends. We hang out pretty often. Uh, but we also have some very different worldviews. But that's that's helped, I think, a lot of our dialogue on Facebook or even in person. And one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show is because I think it's good for my uh, our listeners just to kind of get a different perspective from a whole different viewpoint on a, lot, on a lot of different issues, which I like because... I think sometimes Christians can be a little in their bubble, frankly. And I think it's good to kind of pop that bubble and say, look, there are different realities out there that are important for people to hear. You might not agree 100%, and that's okay. But at least you're aware of these other viewpoints that exist in the world, and you can't be sheltered from them. That's true. All right. I am your other viewpoint. You are my other viewpoint, which is why I'm excited. So let's start. Let's get right to the nitty-gritty. Let's go to the Democratic national debate because I watched about – Let's see. I started watching around nine o'clock and then Ink Master came on. I love that show. And then I was multitasking. At one point, I had the laptop live stream 
of the Democratic uh, debate on while having one earphone on one side of my head with my TV on watching <laughs> Ink Master Live. Does that work? No. <laughs> it did not work. So, so, safe to say it did not work. But I did catch a good amount of the, uh, of the, of the debate. I watched you know, Clinton, Bernie Sanders, and the other guys who okay. really – I mean, they were pretty overshadowed. Didn't you kind of wish that a big hook would come out from the side and pull the other three of them off? <laughs> I mean, there was um, – I'm trying to th- – uh, you, you're much better with names than I am. The, uh, who was the military-esque guy? Jim Webb. He is the former senator from uh, Virginia. Martin O'Malley is the former governor from Maryland. And Lincoln Chafee is the former governor of Rhode Island. Okay. They were the other three. got to have you on my podcast more because you just know these names. Um, the uh, Webb, I thought that he did have some decent answers for certain things that I enjoyed. Enjoyed. But the other two guys, I thought they were just kind of outclassed, outmatched, and just really overshadowed by the machine that is Hillary Clinton and kind of like this new machine that is Bernie Sanders. Uh, give me your take on, on, on the Democratic debates. Yeah, I liked it. I thought they were all really good, to be honest. Okay. Lincoln Chafee, I think, should be out because he had that terrible answer about why he voted to repeal Glass-Steagall because he was new in the Senate. Oh, and yeah. Like, that was a pretty bad I, answer. I just got here isn't really a good answer if you're trying to be president cooper pressed him pretty hard on that too which i enjoyed because i think sometimes um right wing you know people in the media will always say well the 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 liberal media is too soft on candidates but i felt like anderson cooper did a really good job in that debate he definitely pushed for answers he was playing hardball right from the beginning i thought i agree which i i liked um, I like that he brought up uh, he brought up Benghazi at one point, which is good because it gives not only does that give Hillary a chance to answer, but it lets the American people know that these are questions that need to be answered in our eyes as well, which I think is good. Yeah, so sure. I appreciated that. Um, how about how do you think Clinton did overall? Yeah, I think she did great. I think she had some really good moments. I think at, a lot of people say they don't like Hillary. I think part of the problem is they don't really know that much about Hillary except from the Clinton years. Right. But I think. She's a great politician. You have to do two things to be a good president. You have to be a good politician and know how to schmooze and know how to look good on stage. And then, of course, you also need to be able to govern once you're in office. Right. And they're two very different jobs. Sometimes people are good at one and not the other. I think Hillary Clinton is a great schmoozer, a great politician once people watch her. And she makes a connection with people also. Mm. Like she feels your pain, which her husband was also very good at. Do you think that people, though, are just kind of jaded because it's a Clinton? Oh, sure. I mean, she's an insider. Right. You can understand. I mean, we, we talk a lot about how there needs to be serious change. And I think that's why a lot of people like Bernie Sanders or a lot of people liked Ron Paul when he was around because they were offering kind of just not politics as usual. Even if it was going to turn into that, they at least in the beginning offered a perspective that was kind of just down to earth. And they liked that. And so I see Clinton and I saw her debate and she... She did well. I mean, there's no, there's no taking that away from her. But it was still kind of like very politician-like. Do you think she, we need more of that at this she's point? She's a moderate, for one thing. She's much more moderate than Bernie Sanders. He's very liberal. I'd say some people would probably say crazy liberal. And hmm. like, if you look at the answers they gave about legalized weed, Bernie yeah. Sanders was, yeah, I'd legalize it. Sure, absolutely. Right. And Clinton had the more nuanced... Well, we need time. Let's see how it goes in the states where it's already legal. I'm receptive to the idea, but we need more time to study. Which uh, is a more mainstream centrist position. 
and she's like that on a lot of issues, I think. Yeah, but you know what happens. You know, you know that that once that debate happened on Wednesday and today, all Rush Limbaugh's talking about is Clinton and her crazy liberal views. All Hannity's talking about is you know the same thing. Which is so funny because all my liberal friends don't like Hillary Clinton because they say she's not liberal enough. They right. Need to be more like Bernie Sanders or. Whoever. So is there? You know. Do you think that there's just so much spin going on from like people in that in that realm of media that they just kind of spin Clinton as someone who is not as liberal as she really is? Yeah, I agree. She's not that liberal. She's really not. No, no. I mean, if you looked at if anyone is a, a policy wonk like I am, she just had this plan to avoid the next banking crisis in Bloomberg. For one thing, she blames it all on Bush. Everything was super in the American economy before President Bush. She doesn't mention repealing the Glass-Steagall Act, which her husband did. She doesn't mention the Commodities Futures Modernization Act, which her husband passed. That was what deregulated those uh, credit default swaps. That was a pretty major hmm. part of the crisis. Everyone in every liberal says, oh, Hillary Clinton, she's so in the pocket of Wall Street. She's so yeah. in the pocket of big business. Right. Doesn't sound that crazy liberal to me. Well, I saw um, a great uh, statistic. It was... Um, it was um, it was a, a list of the top five sponsors of Hillary Clinton's campaign, and Time Warner was like number four. Yeah, right. Who owns is owned by CNN, and then once the debate happened, CNN paints on the front page that Clinton just sweeped the competition under the rug, and Bernie Sanders was no match, and no one was any match, and Clinton was on fire. Do you think that kind of shows that bias? You know, this is someone who is 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 really. I mean, over half a million dollars has been given to her campaign by yeah. those by by that company. Wow, well, sure. Is that a double? A double standard, sort yeah. of. Yeah, I, I suppose it might be. Yeah. All right. That's well, a fair. That's a fair question. Yeah, I mean, that's I that's national politics. You don't get to be a front runner to be president. Yeah. Without knowing some powerful people, without knowing a lot of rich people. Yeah. You know, these people, they all of them on the stage there, even on the Republican side. It's not like they just got out of a little right cabin like Lincoln. You know, the the rail splitter. <laughs> right. That's yeah. not how. Right. That's not what politics is anymore. That kind of bugs me though, because I feel like the 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 wool has been pulled over just the public as a whole. Because a lot of people on either side kind of like to, you know, my candidate's pure. But when you when you break it down, they're all kind of bought off on some level by someone. Yeah, sure. Very few people are really grassroots mo movements, um, and maybe that's why Bernie Sanders is so popular with with people, especially I know my my generation, my age, because to the best of our knowledge. He hasn't really been bought off yet by a lot of these huge, bigger companies giving tons and tons of money. Yes, all small donors. Um, right. I'll say that for Bernie. I have to say I love Bernie Sanders. I yeah. think he'd make a great president. Yeah. I, as a Democrat, kind of worry about him matched up with a couple of the people on the Republican side. You know, he looks like someone's old, confused uncle or something like that. He's not as polished as Clinton is. <laughs> That's true. And I worry <laughs> about some of his policy positions. The main thing for a Democrat to win the presidency in 2016, as we all hope and pray they will, is... Well, I don't know if we all hope and pray, Hans. <laughs> we all hope they will. No, I mean, whoever wins the primary needs to keep the Obama coalition together. Young voters, women, and minorities. I could see Sanders paired up with a couple of the Repubs who could peel off some of those Obama voters. Yeah. Carson or uh, Marco Rubio, even Ted Cruz. 
I could see stealing away some votes from Sanders where Clinton, I think, would just crush any of them. So let me ask you another question then. I mean, why for you do you tend to lean more Democratic than Republican? Like what what is it that makes you tick and get those kind of views? Oh, sure. Lots of reasons. All right. Well, you're very well spoken on these subjects. And I feel like I don't have many friends who are who are can can defend their viewpoint as articulate as you because you are very uh, well thought out and well researched. So I think it'd be good for, I mean, I want to hear it because I don't really know why. I mean, I know some of the reasons why, but I'm always curious to know why someone kind of leans the way they do. So for you and your, you know, in, in, in with your life and everything, why do you tend to lean more Democratic than Republican? Well, I mean, uh, I wasn't really interested in politics until 2000. The, the disputed election between Bush and Gore kind of interested me. I was one of those people who didn't really think there was that big of a difference between Bush and Gore. Yeah. And I don't think that now. Um, one of the turning points for me was I happened to be home and had the TV on when President Bush made the announcement about wanting to amend the Constitution to ban gay marriage equality. Yep. And that's just a position, from my point of view, where the Democrats are just right and the Republicans are just wrong. I support uh, women's reproductive freedom. Mm-hmm. I support action on the environment. I think climate change is real and it needs to be addressed or there's yeah. going to be a serious problem in a couple decades that, you know, I'll be gone by then, but but young people are going to have to deal with it. Yeah. And uh, I believe that government can do great things for people. You know, take something like Social Security. It moved the... The group of people, senior citizens, who are the largest group of people living in poverty, to become the smallest group of people living in poverty. Government can solve people's problems in a way that individuals or businesses can't always. Uh, like in the case of healthcare, you think as well? Healthcare is a fine example. The costs keep going up, 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 and the goal is how can we bend the cost curve? How can we expand access to healthcare and control the costs for people who are already paying? You and I and individuals can't really take on a problem like that. We need a big organization like government on our side. So let me ask you a question about the the healthcare one in particular. So, um, you know, I tend to really align with uh, with many of the things that you said because biblically, I find a lot of support for Christians being for those things. Now, how they're enacted is a whole other different discussion, whether it's private or, or government. But the at the end of the day, I believe that people should have healthcare access, right? I believe that that people should have the, the freedom to choose how they want to live in our country because God gives us freedom to live however we want. I mean, it's just part of the, my Christian worldview. In the case of, of healthcare, here's a question for you, and I know that you can answer this, which is which is why I want to ask you. You know, my dad, he owns a small business. Um, he employs maybe one to four people at a time. Um, he does good for himself, but it's, of course, it's a lot of work. And he's not a big business at all, but he's definitely not a tiny business. I would say he's, you know, he's making about, he's making, and by making, I mean grossing, not netting, about six figures a year. But after taxes and everything, you know, it goes down. His health care has consistently, even since Obamacare was enacted, gone up, up, up. So what do you say to a lot of those business owners? Like, like what, what is the solution for them who, even though they were told one thing about prices going down, in fact, their prices no. have actually went up? No, the prices aren't going down. It's what they call the second derivative. The prices are still going up as the prices of everything generally go up. They're just not going, out, going up as fast. Okay. Some things in our economy have gotten a lot cheaper. Flat screen TVs, smartphones, they would have been unimaginable luxuries even 15, 20 years ago. Even the rich couldn't have had a flat screen TV 20 years ago. So the prices of things like that have really come down. On the other hand, things like health care, child care, 
housing, and the biggest one of all, college education, have just gone up, up, up in price so much faster than the rest of the economy. Now, but here's the thing, though. I mean, luxury TVs, flat screen TVs, those are very private sector things. Yeah. The things you mentioned are more government regulated things. I mean, college is very regulated as far as the loan system. I mean, government's involved with that. It's a terrible system. The loan system's a terrible system. So wouldn't you blame, I mean, couldn't someone blame government for that? No, I mean, why would you blame the government? Because they're the ones involved with costs it. Costs going up. Well, because I guess I guess what I'm liberals like me yeah. wanted a government-run healthcare system. We'd like a government-run college system. You're saying 100 percent. Conservatives who said, "No, no, we need competition in the marketplace because competition forces people to excel, and that'll keep prices down and make a better product for the consumer." The problem is you end up with this collusion between the big guys, and then they take that element of competition out of the market company like comcast i mean i know they're not in the college business but they're a great example there's no competition for comcast they're the only cable tv provider in most of the places around here because they make these deals with other big companies so they can technically say well it's free market but we don't get the the consumers don't get the benefits of the free market so you're saying instead of doing a hybrid where it's like part private sector part government help with like with like federal aid and stuff you're saying that really government should just take over take 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 the example of of state and community colleges the government runs state and community colleges they're not looking to make world-class stadiums with great football teams they're not looking to do all kinds of world-class research the goal is how can we make give people nursing degrees get people nursing degrees we keep the cost low so people can afford to go yeah and give people the kind of training that they need. Now, you don't have to go to community college if you want. Sure. If you want to go to Princeton, go ahead, enjoy yourself. So there, I- it is, there is private enterprise in the market, but the government can provide the service to a lot more people. Now, when they were talking about Obamacare, when it was yeah. like grinding through the Senate, and yeah. uh, there was a lot of talk about a public option, which I thought was a great idea. Again, if the government could provide a low-cost plan they wouldn't have to spend a lot on marketing. They wouldn't have to spend a lot on executive salaries. And much like community college, a lot more people could afford to get health insurance than uh, if they were just left to the private sector. Conservatives said, no, 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 we can't have a public option because then no one would want to go to the private companies anymore. So uh, there was no public option. So what is it now then? Because there is a there is a healthcare exchange well, online, complete, right? It's a completely capitalist system. So it's you're going through a government you're website to you're pick going capital. Through a government website. There's some help in the Affordable Care Act for people looking for care. Like for example, big employers get discounts because they have fifty thousand employees. Businesses like your dad's don't have fifty thousand employees. Right, they have four. So they're going to end up paying a lot more for healthcare. So the government says, okay, well, we'll set up groups that you can join with 50,000 other random Americans, and you can all get health care together, and you can all get that discount, even though you don't work for a big business like Walmart or whatever. Yeah. And does, has it been working, you think, in the... Well, it has been bending the cost curve. There's been... Uh, I th- the last number I saw was 12 million more Americans have health care. That's terrific. Some of them stay on their parents' plans until they're 26. That's a great idea. Some of them uh, got part of the Medicaid expansion. And some of them went on healthcare.gov and purchased insurance privately. So there's no doubt that it's gotten healthcare to more people. 
As for the prices, I mean, uh, the prices of healthcare are still going up. The prices of everything generally go up, but they're not going up as fast. They're not going up crazy. They're not going up crazy out of, out of touch to the rest of the economy. If sure. you get a 2% raise a year, but your healthcare costs go up 15%, makes no sense that makes no sense so right. it's like well if we can bring that 15 percent down to something that's a little bit uh more reasonable that you can keep up with i'm not unrealistic enough to say that healthcare costs are going to go down because healthcare has gotten so much better people are living a lot longer yeah there's lots of procedures that you can get life-saving procedures and that's just terrific but that all those hospital machines they're not free and all those yeah. medical professionals aren't going to work for free right so the costs are going to go up as the product gets better. Do you think that, that there's a big link to uh, something that I thought about a lot that I'm realizing more and more is the link between the food industry and the healthcare industry um, because of the way that the food industry has marketed and what they put in their products, so sugar-laden and sodium-filled and processed. Do you think that has a huge strain on the, uh, the healthcare industry as sure, well? Sure. People should eat right. People should exercise. People should quit the smokes. Yeah. That's just, you know, I'm not, probably you would agree with me, I'm not going to say that the government should come into your house and look through your refrigerator and right. say, oh, this uh, tomato sauce has high fructose corn syrup right. in it. We're going to have to get rid of that. I mean, people are free to eat at McDonald's every day if that's what they want. Yeah. But um, but that kind of sure, kills me. You know, I, there's a great uh, documentary I, I watched called Fed Up. It's really good. And it, it talks a lot about how, you know, when the food industry is so huge and they're so, you know, in cahoots together, they're so united, a lot of the food that is out there, I mean, that is marketed to kids or to us, um, is is so it's so taste over any kind of nutrition. You know, everything is so filled with the sugar and the and the high fructose uh, sure. fructose corn syrup, which is so bad for you. You really, I mean, it's in everything. It's in my ketchup. It's in, you know, yeah, right. I, mean, it, it, I can't, I almost can't get away from it if I, if I tried just to eat normal. I mean, do you, there has to be, do you think that government, because in my opinion, I think government should intervene when it comes to our food. Okay. Not, not necessarily. See, Tim, this is, this is what I was getting at when I said government can help people. Okay. I know it's a conservative bugaboo. Yes. To say, oh, the government, you know, the government, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Right. But, uh. You say, well, what is the government's role in food, in housing, in healthcare, right. in education, in energy? And you can say, oh, well, the government doesn't need to be involved in this. People should take care of that themselves. But then when there are problems, often people say, well, why isn't the government doing anything about this? Right. If the price of gasoline at the, at the pump went up three times, people would say, why isn't the government doing something to make energy more affordable? Right. Everyone is entitled to free public education now right. through 12th grade. That's terrific. Yes. College costs go up, up, up. So I could see a reasonable case for, hey, you know, let's get government involved and see if there's something we can do to bring the costs down. Well, I mean, the the, the point of government is to govern. That's what they're right. supposed to do. And there's of, is there always a line? Of course there is. And I, I don't mean – I mean – this, uh, this is – I'm sorry to interrupt. No, that's this okay. This is a reasonable area for people to disagree. Yes. We can say, I think we need to help uh, – lower costs of health care and you can say oh you know i think that health care should be left up to the free market it's a reasonable area to disagree yeah what kind of regulations should the government put in place who gets to enforce what the regulations will be mm -hmm. right Re a reasonable a reasonable question these are good questions that and need to be answered there is such a thing as businesses getting over regulated where 
they have to spend more than they're making just to keep the doors open. Well, I'll give you a great example. You know, my dad's company, again, small business, and we do construction. We're not, uh, by any means, is it some huge corporation. But at the end of the day, after all is said and done, materials, workers' comp, this comp, that insurance, this insurance, taxes, property taxes, all that stuff, roughly about half his income is out. So whatever he makes, half of that immediately is going towards either some kind of tax or some kind of, you know, mandated insurance. Um, and I think, you know, it bugs him. But, what you know, what, my dad and I, we talk a lot and he's very conservative and he's a great guy. And the, every time I talk to him, I say, Dad, I said, the issue isn't the, your business. What you don't realize is that there are huge corporations who have made exceptions to their rules. And that kind of gets passed on yeah, exactly. to you. He just doesn't see it that way. I don't way. think the problem is the taxes are too high. I think the problem is that taxes are too low. It's just the wrong people who are paying them. Yes. You know, the example I always think of is Mitt Romney. If you remember, he ran for president in 2012. How can I forget old Mitt? And it was in the course of the campaign, it came out that he paid 13.9% in taxes. Yeah. I pay more than that. Right. You probably pay more than that. Definitely. I, I, your dad definitely pays more than that. Right. He's not a billionaire. Right. So why is your dad running a small business paying right. a higher percentage than millionaires and billionaires? And now I'm channeling Bernie Sanders from the other <laughs> night. <laughs> but, you know, I think any anyone conservative or not can understand that. You know, it doesn't make – to anyone who thinks logically, it makes no sense. If you're making all this money, you know, and you made it fair, you shouldn't have loopholes for taxes that you owe the government. I mean, that's just – that that's part of the cost of doing business in the states. And when you have someone like my dad's business, or I mean, I, I have a lot of friends who own small businesses, so I, I hear a lot about just the taxes that they owe. I'm surprised that they aren't more furious either at some of those bigger businesses. But what, what they'll say is, well, you know, people have a right to keep whatever they earn, and I understand that. But when they are, when there are loopholes, or when there's illegal practices happening, or when you're writing things off that shouldn't be written off, and you have people in the government who are doing you favors, that's when the game becomes rigged, in my opinion. Sure, absolutely. Right. Yeah. So uh, to me, it's one of those things as well where I, I feel like a lot of people they just kind of view it as, well, you know, we should keep whatever we earn. And I agree, unless you have un, un um, not un, but you know, just like un, um. False or um, what's the word I'm looking for here, Hans? I'm, I'm breaking it here. I wish I knew. Um, I'm ruining this whole podcast right now. Uh, no, um, cool. But you know, unfair. That's if, the word. You know, unfair you, regulations that are really, you know, not not fa fair to the population as a whole. Sure. Yeah. If you're super wealthy, you can afford to make a big donation to a congressman, and the yes. congressman will write a little exception into some otherwise mundane law yeah. that says, "Oh, you don't have to pay any taxes." Right. Right. People like your dad, someone who runs a dry cleaner, someone who runs a diner, they can't afford to right. buy a congressman in that way. I mean, small so business the is hard. Is how do you get the money out of politics? And this is why I'm so pro Hillary Clinton, because I really believe she is our best chance at a reasonable campaign finance reform. So you think that that, that, that that she's against the whole idea of super PACs and all that kind oh, of yeah, stuff, absolutely. even though she's accepted huge amounts of donations you, you, from those people? This is the, the way the game's being played. You have to play it. But I absolutely believe that she would uh, reverse Citizens United, yeah. get a lot of the money out of politics, you know, yeah. appoint Supreme Court justices who would advocate for the people and not just the wealthiest 1%. Hmm. 
I mean, we'll see. It's it's a very divided issue for sure, and we were definitely in the thick of it. And I bet there are people listening who are probably screaming at at the speakers, you know. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> That's not right, or this is that, or they're agreeing, either one. And, and it's good to have that dialogue. What's bothered me is that there is no dialogue. It's yeah, so gridlocked. Absolutely. No one wants to talk. No one wants to – like you even said, there are reasonable questions that have to be answered. Um, some people just don't want reasonable and- and you know, Tim, this is, I think, why we started hanging out and talking is because you realize there are good and decent people on the other side. We all see all this stuff on our Facebook feeds yeah. about like, oh, these people are crazy or these people have a mental disease. If you're for this politician, you're just stupid or crazy. Yeah. And it's like, no, there are good and decent people on the other side. For, for the listeners, Tim and I uh, really started talking when there was a, a, a law passed in Indiana, a Re- Religious Freedom Restoration Act, that essentially gave people the right to refuse service to LGBT Americans. And uh, we disagreed about it. And we had a lot of back and forth on Facebook, and eventually we said, oh, we can't do this on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. We have to meet in person. Let's get coffee someplace. And uh, indeed, we agree about more than we disagree about. We do. This is how we, c- Tim and I invariably come into contact. Well, it's stuff we talked about even on the podcast before. When you are sitting face-to-face with a human, it's much harder to be a, really a douchebag to him. That's true. <laughs> you know, when you're hiding behind a screen, I'm, it's much easier. I'm trying so hard not to curse, Tim. <laughs> you're allowed, Hans. Trust me, there's plenty of grace there. You know, you just be you. But honestly... Um, that was really – I remember that. And I, in fact, we talked on the phone because wow. what happened was you sent me a message that uh, somehow was just – I forgot if you hit the wrong button I or something. Yeah, yeah. So, and I was like, oh, no, what did I do? He's all upset. So I, I think you called me or I called you. And when we talked, I said, you know what, dude? I said, we just need to let, – let's just get a cup of coffee and let's really talk because here's the thing. I mean, you know, it's no secret. You know, Hans and I, we live two completely – different lifestyles 100 percent, and we probably had different um views on those lifestyles but at the end of the day you know especially as a follower of jesus like what what i felt like i feel like often i have to be one of those people who are kind of cleaning up behind other christians like no so and so this is not what they you know what, what a christian really should be how they should be acting towards you you know and i find like when you have that dialogue in person it's a much easier way to break down walls that are built really in my head or in your head. And when you break them down, you realize, wait, we're two human beings who are equally have equal rights and should have those equal rights. And we're both made in the image of God, whether you believe it or not. And I believe that. And so that respect has got to be there. So I remember that 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 first discussion very well. In fact, I remember I remember Hans when I first met you. In your apartment. I remember when I first met you too. I th- what did you say to me? What, what was the first thing you said to me? Do you remember? I don't. I don't remember that. It was something along the lines. I mean, you were pretty brash, and I remember walking in because we know uh, a mutual friend, Jesse, and Jesse was like, "Oh, like you know, um, he he like almost warned me, you know, like Hans is not, you know, doesn't like uh, sometimes he doesn't, he doesn't like Christians." I said, "Well, whatever, I'll, I'll still meet him." And I think that the first thing you said to me was like, uh, "I was like, hey, Hans, like, hey." Do you hate me? I'm like, <laughs> no. <laughs> I remember I remember when, when uh, Jesse was telling me about you. He says, oh, I've made a Christian friend named Tim. And I'm like, oh, you've got to be careful, Jesse. You know what I mean? A lot of these people, they're anti-gay. A lot of these people, they're not good people. And he said, oh, no, no, Tim, he's nice. He's not like that. <laughs> and I said, well, that may be. But the problem is that you meet a nice one, and they bring around the rest of the church, and they are not as nice. <laughs> 
Yeah, I guess you're right. And I mean, there are, there are times where you're correct on that. You know, I mean, would you mind sharing a little bit of your own story, Hans, uh, just so people get a better perspective of kind of how you grew up? Is that sure? Well, that be I cool? was I was raised probably a lot like you. My yeah. parents were uh, Lutheran. They wanted to raise their kids right. You know, we went to church every Sunday. I was really into it as a uh, as a teenager, and you know, loved my church. I loved Jesus. I was all about it. I started to realize I was gay. And, um, you know, you spend a few years, like, maybe this doesn't happen anymore, but at the time, little gay boys would spend a few years praying and praying for cure from this horrible disease. But, you know, it sticks, the gay, you can't repress it. Mm. So I had this moment in my church, um, there was a meeting, a congregational meeting. They were um, improving the church. They were, like, putting in an elevator and uh, ramps to make it more accessible for the disabled. Yeah. Seems like a pretty mundane topic, you sure. know, oh, we need to widen the bathroom stalls and stuff like that. Yeah. So this one person in the church says, oh, we need to be careful because homosexuals call themselves disabled sometimes. And we don't want to seem like we are attracting homosexuals because they're not disabled. They're just sinners. Well, let me say, I realized that person was just a crank and a crazy saying something nuts. We don't consider ourselves disabled. Right. Uh, but what was disturbing about that situation for me was that I was in a room with more than 100 people who had known me all my life, and nobody said, you know, oh, that's not cool. You shouldn't say that about people. Mm. So I was the only person in the room that knew that that person was talking about me personally. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was when I got off. Mm. The, that's when I got off the Christian you know, I'm like, these people are not on your side. Mm. If they really knew who you were, they would not be on your side. So they were wrong about me. And uh, anyway, it's a depressing story. I'm well, <laughs> sorry I, I, to bring up such no, a sad story. Honestly, I mean, I asked you for a reason because it's a real story. And here's, here's the thing. I love the church and people know that. But in this area, the church has really done a lot of damage that I think sometimes is kind of beyond repair. In this area. Well, I'm speaking specifically about this area. There are uh, other areas. I mean, the South. Have you? <laughs> oh, no, I'm talking about. I'm sorry. I, I don't mean in New Jersey. Yeah. I'm talking about in this particular. Oh, subject. in this in the subject. Yes, I in understand. this subject. I didn't mean uh, geographically. Um, there's a lot of you know um, damage that's been done that I don't think for a lot of people is repairable. And I agree. It, it's sad. Yeah. It's sad because. A lot of good people that I know or who I've met or who I've seen or just people that I know mean well, um, they kind of get caught up in that excuses. You know, they make a lot of excuses. Well, this. Well, that excuse. Well, it's like, listen, the Bible talks about as Christians walking humbly and walking peacefully and knowing when you're wrong and being willing to admit that it was done wrong. And repenting from it, and I think sometimes Christians get a little too proud, and they go, "Ah, well, we they, can't, we can't say that we're sorry." They haven't said that, right? They're, I mean, if they would admit that, then great, right. sure. But it's always doubling and tripling down on this issue. It is. I think that there are more and more Christians, individual, who are stepping up and saying, you know, hey, listen, this isn't cool. We're we're, we're not. This is not right. But you're, I know what you're saying. As a whole, the church culture hasn't really shaped up in this Well, in this I mean, if it's true that there are all these Christians out here who just love gay people and hate all the homophobia in the church, don't tell me. Tell Mike Huckabee. Tell Franklin Graham. Tell Ben Carson. Tell all these people that this isn't... Because they're speaking for you. Mm -hmm. 
you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's easy for me to shrug it off and say, oh, well, here they go again, lining up a Chick-fil-A, you know? Right, right. It kind of reminds me of a lot of times I hear people talk about, well, you know, we're all the moderate um, uh, Muslims who are speaking up against, yeah. you know, terrorism. Point. And you're kind of saying the same thing to us. Like, listen, if you guys, if there's so many of you who are, who don't support Mike Huckabee, you know, crying with, with Kim Davis, you know, when she gets out of jail um, and just kind of, you know, focusing on that kind of really just anti-gay mentality, then step stand up and, and say something about it because this is sure. a serious problem. If your listeners are interested, that there's terrible things that Christians are doing to gays in Nigeria and Uganda and a lot of other places in Western Europe. It's barbaric. Yeah. They get lifetime imprisonment in concentration camps. They often get the death penalty. Not something Jesus would have advocated, I think. I think you're right. But it happens, and they're not going to listen to me. They need to listen to people like you who right. say, this doesn't represent our values. This well, has to stop. That's what kills me. In, I, know, I know that you've heard. You know, <laughs> It's funny that you even listen to our podcast, Hans, and I love that you do. I it's great. It's funny, too. But that first podcast, I think, summed it up is like, I don't know why this is the issue that we're fighting. Because I, can f- I will I can tell you why this is the issue. All right, go ahead. Because it's incredibly easy. Most people are heterosexual. Yeah. When you are against something that 90% of the world doesn't want to do anyway, well, what could be easier than that? Right. Being against you know, gluttony, being against adultery, being against all kinds of things that are sins in the Bible, divorce. Yes. People think, well, I do that, or someone like me does that. But the gay, it's very easy to be against because... Most people aren't aren't interested in it anyway. It's like uh, the church used to be against left-handedness. Hmm. Most people are right-handed, so I could see why it would be very easy to be against writing with your left hand, as trivial as that is. Yeah. Because I don't want to do it, so it's easy to be against it. I truly think you just hit the nail on the head. It's that this is an issue that most people don't deal with. And right. therefore, if it doesn't affect me, but it can affect someone else, it it's easier to call it out. affects people every day. And this is what I wish people would realize with these anti-gay marriage discussions is this has real-life consequences for people. People are unable to keep their own children. People aren't allowed to go see their loved ones in the hospital. Sometimes people aren't even allowed to be buried next to each other. This is uh, These are real problems that people deal with, not just some abstract discussion about, oh, yeah. well, if I were gay, I would do this. Right. These are attached you to know, real humans. We have to deal with this stuff every day, firing people because they're gay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, uh, it's a real problem. It Absolutely. happens. People get kicked out of their houses. Little kids get bullied at school because every week they go to church. They hear an anti-gay message. Then they meet a kid in school who's a little bit of a sissy maybe or a little bit, uh, I don't know, obvious. Yeah. The leading cause of homelessness for teenagers is that they come out as LGBT and their family doesn't accept them. And really, this is who's most affected by the church's anti-gay positions. You know, I'm a grown man. I can deal with it if someone doesn't really like me. But there are little kids, like little me, you know, so many years ago in that, yeah. in that meeting in my church, that hear this stuff and are affected by it. Do you think it's possible for the church to still hold... Um its view, but in a more respectable way. Its view. Uh, uh, what with, view? with, with what, homosexuality. What view you know, I mean, most. Mo- listen, here, here's the thing, Hans. Is at the end of the day, you're not most Christians are going to say, um, "Yes, we as a as a church believe that 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 um, you know that this is um, 
I guess, you know, um, not a sin, so to speak. I'm, I'm throwing words out here. But okay. what I'm saying is, you know, you and I, you know where I stand on this issue, but yet we have no problem because there's mutual respect oh. there, you know. is can, is Can that be possible? Well, I mean, it's like you want two things here. You want to believe that gay is a sin and you want to put it out there, but you also don't want to be thought of as anti-gay and you want to be thought of as a loving religion. You want people to be happy to hear about baby Jesus at Christmas time. And I'm sorry, but you can't have both of those things. You can't be against gay and still not be anti-gay. Can we be neutral on gay? Can you be neutral? Sure, yeah. yeah. It's I'm neutral on gay. It's just a thing that some people are. Well, it's I'm, like left-handedness. Well, yeah, but what, what, what I'm saying is this. is you know, I've told you this before. You know, just because maybe my in my personal view, I have I have a certain view about it, doesn't mean that I'm somehow stopping you from having those rights. I'm all for you having rights in in our great nation right. to live however you like, and I'm I'm for that. Just because I might have a disagreement, but right? It comes, but it comes with the value judgment that something is being done that's wrong, that's immoral. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem, too. You know, okay. it's great that 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 you, for example, support el- marriage equality, yes. secular marriage equality, but also putting out a message that gay is sinful, is harmful in its own way. Not many people people don't always find it easy to shrug off that kind of stigma. Right. Right. I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is here is that, you know, I'm not really one to. Uh, go around parading on Facebook, you know, like right. I think gay is A, B, and C or whatever. But that doesn't mean that but, I... Well, well, yeah, but you still belong to an anti-gay group. I still belong to a group who might handle issues terribly, but that doesn't mean that... But that doesn't mean that somehow the faith that I believe is a hateful faith. Well, I mean, I would think of it as sort of like belonging to a country club that doesn't allow blacks or Jews. I mean, if one says... Well, I'm not against blacks or Jews. It's not my rule. Does that make it okay to belong to the country club, to go and endow them with credibility because you're with them all the time, to give them your money? Hmm, it's a good question. One that I have to think through, I guess, a little bit here. But I mean, uh, what I this is tough, man. Because here's the thing: what what like, has to happen for yeah. the church to change is people have to say, "I am not going to be part of a group that is." against this group of people that is harming this group of people i'm not going to come here anymore and i'm not going to give you any more of my money yeah that's a whole this position changes the thing though is that there are a lot of there are everyone here you me whoever else we all make moral judgments about certain things right that's the way we that's just the way humans are we we make judgments about things when it comes to the christian faith this i mean even this issue of homosexuality even in the bible is only mentioned a few times i feel like the church has kind of shot itself in the foot by making this this humongous issue when maybe it doesn't have to be such a humongous issue for example back in the early church back in the day when the reformation was coming around and john calvin was there all that kind of stuff um, usury was a huge issue. You know, the idea of, of 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 loaning money and making money off the interest was like the cardinal thing not to do. Right. And here we are in this culture, and no one really thinks twice of it. Yeah, there's twenty eight percent interest on credit cards. Right. No, no we Christian goes, have man. No this problem with usury anymore. Right. No Christian goes, man. This is just something that you know is not yeah. you know a b and c so it's not a matter in my head because you know a lot of fundamentalists right now are, are listening very closely and they're going man tim you better not compromise your views here and the other half is saying no tim like Hans is totally right and here's the bottom line man is like at the end of the day jesus 
is for people, period. And he desires that everyone, regardless of lifestyle, regardless of, you know, sexual identity, that they know him. And here's the thing, man. And here's what I'm saying, Hans. It's not my job to change people in any way. The person I am now is not the same person four years ago. I've changed. Certain things I have either moved into or certain things I have moved out of. So in my head, this is an issue that is so just not that important to me because there are such bigger things I'm concerned about. And, and what's wrong with saying, I don't know. I don't know what God wants. Right. God is, if there is a God, I mean, I don't even know what that means. Mm. To say, well, God wants this and God says this. You don't know what God wants. You don't know what he thinks. Mm -hmm. God is not your sock puppet. Right. Yeah, no, I think you're, I think th on that part, you raise really good points that I'm glad we're having this discussion and I'm glad that you're putting me on the fence here because Christians need to have answers to these things that are good answers, not just, well, the Bible says so. That answer doesn't go far the, for people who don't believe in the Bible. The Bible says the sun revolves around the earth, dude. <laughs> Hans, you're great, man. I love having you on this podcast. Um, all I'm saying is that I can there not be can there not be respectful disagreement and still mutual respect? That's what I'm saying. Sure, yeah. I think we're showing that right now right exactly so you know i don't know why there are in my head there and i'm with you on i'm with you in the sense of i don't think it's wise or a good idea for christians to kind of make this issue in particular they're like mountain that they're not going to move from because there are much bigger more important things and it really distracts us from the core and the core is that the christian faith at the end of the day is simply about this is that no matter what it is People have done dumb things, wrong things. I've done wrong things. You've done wrong things. It doesn't matter no, what they not are. Me. Yes. Okay, Hans. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end of the day, we can't save ourselves from those things. That's the whole point. I mean, you know the Christian faith very well. You grew up in it. You yeah, know. Sure. Um, and so, though, to me, that the bigger issue is is do our people back in touch with the God who loves them unconditionally? That's really the root of the gospel for me. And I feel like these issues distract from that because we have taken that this especially this issue in particular of homosexuality and said no this is what we're gonna make our, our our mountain this is what you can't cross if you are any bit gay at all you can't possibly be a christian yet that pastor is with on pornography yet that pastor has been divorced yet that pastor has a gluttony problem god works through people in the midst of their messes you know in the midst of their humanness i think that's a big key that we're missing for the church to reach out in mercy and compassion and say listen Hans, I'm not going to try and change you. You just, you be in touch with God. I trust that God will change you into the person he meant for you to be, whatever that means for you and God. You know, I know plenty of people who are gay and they're a Christian and God loves them and they, God works through them. It is possible to do, in my opinion. To be gay and Christian? I think it is. Yeah. I mean, I've known some. Yeah. I sure. think it's definitely possible. You know, there's a lot of gray areas. There's a lot of questions that I can't answer because like you said, I'm not God. I don't have these answers for people because I'm not him. In fact, there's a great Jewish quote that says, if I, if, if I, uh, if I, if I understood him, I'd be him or something like that. The idea yeah, of, you know, right. listen, if I knew everything, I'd be God. <laughs> I would be that guy, but I'm not, I'm just yeah, not. This, this, I mean, was something Martin Luther struggled with a lot that, uh, he would have these confessions to his priests that would go on for hours and hours. But then at night, he said the devil would toy with him. He would think to himself, ah, oh, you left that sin off the list. Or, right. ah, uh, 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 you weren't really sorry that time. You were just afraid of getting caught. And he realized that to be the kind of person that, that uh, he was trying to be, he would have to think as God thought. 
and be as God is, which we can't do. Right. Yeah, that even that word sin has been so kind of dragged through the mud, even in our circles, because, I mean, sin simply means to miss the mark. It's not a specific thing. It's not a specific yeah. word, you know. But when, when, I th- when I hear that word, I think of certain actions automatically. It doesn't matter what it is. I just think sin. Oh, it must be a list of things that you do. It's a much bigger, you know, it's really uh, a nature over humanity as a whole. It doesn't matter what how it manifests itself. Um, so I understand, you know, that's a really good, I guess, a uh, story of Luther because I feel like the devil, in, especially in the Christian faith, can distract with individual things that really take away from the bigger picture, which is that God's yeah. coming back at some point. His kingdom is real, and his kingdom has attributes of love, hope, joy, peace, you know, those kinds of things. Christians should right. be for those things, not against them. And that's what kind of what, what, what really, uh, you know, frustrates me is that a lot of Christians are no more for what they're against than what they're actually for. And what's the harm? I mean, if you call something immoral, like I could say, well, stealing is immoral because it causes harm. What's the harm? I mean, for something to be immoral, it can't be just that I don't like it or I have an aversion to it. Mm-hmm. That's uh, different from being something being a sin or something being immoral. I do sure. believe, I mean, I'm pretty atheist or agnostic. I don't really know if there's a God. Yeah. I do believe there's a difference between right and wrong, though. Yes. But it has more to do with uh, how we treat other people, how we treat the other living things that we share the planet with, how we treat the planet, and whether we're uh, creating more good or or more harm in the world. Are we creating more happiness or are we creating barriers to happiness? Well, that's a great example. That's a great point. And the thing is, is a lot of those things you mentioned. I think you can find support for in the in the roots of the Christian faith. I mean, taking care of the environment, I know, uh. is such a quote-unquote liberal hippie thing to say, but it's biblical. I mean, it's in the Bible. We are it called is. to be stewards and caretakers of the earth, not ones who trash it and throw it around. Yeah. So there are definitely blind spots in the Christian faith that— Christians in America check, just don't want to see. Check your church parking lot on Sunday. Are there a <laughs> lot of SUVs and trucks that don't get good gas mileage? Yeah, but 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 you know what they're going to say. Well, it's America. You yeah, know, I sure, live in it's America. America. I mean, I am not a follower of Jesus. Right. I don't have to follow the Bible. Sure. So I'm free to get whatever kind of car I want. <laughs> right. Hypothetically. Yes. I'm not someone. You know, it's like you're asking me to accept your teachings about the resurrected Christ and the kingdom of heaven, which yes. is very complicated and very hard to believe and hard to understand. Sure. But then you're wrong about things that are simple and obvious. So how can I believe the complicated teachings when, you know, you're, you're coming out lining up a Chick-fil-A and lining up for Kim Davis? It's right. like if you're wrong about something so stupid and simple, right. how can I believe you about something that's much harder to believe? Right. Yeah. I hope Christians out there are listening. This is great. It's a great question. It's a great question that needs to be answered. I don't think a lot of Christians have a good answer for that, though. Some might. Some might be screaming at, at, screaming at, at, at my stereo right now saying, no, this is, you know, here's the answer. But the answer, uh, everything in life, you, you anyone can bullet point things. Someone can respond to this this podcast on a post and bullet point out everything that oh, I've missed and that I'm you missed. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, I bet I'm you are. I'm so looking forward but, to that. But when, but when you really <laughs> break it down, it is much more gray and much more, we just, some, some things we just don't know. You know, there are, there are certain things that for sure I hold dear to that I will, 
I mean, I'll put my life on. You know, the resurrected Christ is one of those things. Like, that's just a non-negotiable for me. But there are other things, homosexuality included, that I'm just like, man, God, I don't know how this works. I And I'm, I'll be the first one to admit it. I don't know how it works. You don't know how it works? Right? I don't know how it works. Can you believe it? Huh. Man, I know. Unbelievable. I'll explain it after we uh, oh. <laughs> Yeah, that's all the time we have for today, Hans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there are just things that I don't know, and I'm not going to know. And there's nothing wrong with admitting that. But There's sometimes, nothing wrong with saying, I don't know. Sometimes Christians don't want to admit that. that, that. Sure, yeah. <laughs> they just don't, because, we, and here's why I think, we, you know, we have the Bible, and there was this movement, especially especially in the modern movement, um, to kind of figure everything's out, figure everything out. That science, you know, everything can be explained through science and rationale, and uh, just being rational and just logical. But and they apply that to the Bible. They kind of ripped it out of its beautiful context. You know, they they took the Genesis uh, account, which is really a poem, and they go, "Oh, this is hardcore fact. Here's why right. it's six literal days." Now, could God do it in six literal days? Of course, He could. Does that mean? Does that mean that He did? I don't think so. The garden with the talking snake, really? Well, that doesn't sound realistic. Well, hey, if he's God, he's God, right? It doesn't matter what it is. In theory, he could do whatever he wants. But on the other side of that coin, if God decided to wait a couple million years, I wouldn't be do, surprised. Do, do you think there's life on other planets? I don't know. I don't think that there is. No? No. We're the only one? That's my That's my, my thought. Okay. Honestly, yeah. Um, that part of that goes back to my my faith. Um, the, the yeah, other I part mean, of it I would be. I mean, if be, there is life on other planets, does Jesus have to die on every planet that has life on it, or do we just happen to live on the one where we're, he died for right, all? Right. We're redeemed the in there or not? Don't know. I don't know. Great question. And I I think we're gonna find out in like twenty years when that Mars <laughs> rover comes back. Right. <laughs> so there are great questions that that. We don't always have like these black and white answers to, and more and more, Hans, honestly, as I kind of dive into my own faith, my own journey here, I'm more comfortable saying, you know what, I don't know, and I don't feel one bit guilty for not taking this hardline stance on a certain issue that I just don't know. That's good. I just don't know. There are certain things that I definitely am going to be for all the way through, you know, um, but there are certain things I'm going to say, I don't know the answer to that. And when people go, well, that's compromised, no, it just means I just don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't know it. I, and I don't feel comfortable saying 100% without a shadow of a doubt, this is true on, on that particular issue. Yeah. On a lot of issues. On a lot. On a we, lot. We know so little. Yeah. Humans. I mean, I'm a humanist. I think humans can do amazing things. The fact that we can get humans off the planet and put them on the moon. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, whatever. You know, study DNA or cure sure. these incredible diseases. That is so amazing, and yet there is so little that we really know about yeah. the human brain, about what's at the bottom of the ocean, about what's in outer space. So to say, well, I've got God all figured out. I know what he wants. I know how he feels about communist China. I know how he feels about the, the embargo of Cuba and how he feels about guns and Justin Bieber. And <laughs> you had to get subject, Justin Bieber in there, like didn't you? <laughs> I speak for God because I know what God wants when we don't even understand how our own hand works. It's absurd. Yeah. yeah, there are definitely, I think, attributes that God has revealed Himself to man that 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 you can say, oh, we know God is loving and God is, you know, God is for people and God wants people to reconcile it back to Him. So those are things that, that I think that you can say that are true. But how that plays out in the everyday, in every circumstance, that part I'm not so sure about. We don't know what the rules are here. We don't know what we're supposed to be doing, what we're supposed to be accomplishing on Earth. I think. Hmm. I mean. You do the best you can. You look around. You say, I don't know how I got here. I don't know where all this stuff came from. I don't know why there are giraffes 
<laughs> I don't know why. Well, I can answer that one for children you. Children get leukemia. Right. I don't know any of that. I can just say, well, for myself, this is what seems right to me. Mm-hmm. And if I die one day and do go to see God and he's Jesus and he says, ah, oh, you doubted me on earth. You did this and that. I could say, hey, well, you know, I did the best I could with the information that's available. Yeah. If God's reasonable, I hope he'll accept that. <laughs> I mean, th- those are big statements. I mean, maybe the Hindus were right all along, and you're <laughs> going to say, oh, he has an elephant head. I didn't see this coming. <laughs> and every Sunday you were going to church, you were just making a matter and matter. You know, I think, Hans, you, you uh, those are great questions, and, I mean, thought-provoking things to think about. The Christian worldview, I think, has really good answers for those things, honestly. I think that, you know, that why we are here and, you know, our focus here and, and what matters, I think are pretty well explained in a rational Christian worldview, which you definitely can have. In fact, there's a great, one of my favorite apologists, uh, Ravi Zacharias. He is the man. I love Ravi. He just, he really blends for me the logic of just our universe and how the rules are and blends it really well with, with how really he'll be the first one to tell you that Christianity at its core, take away the kooky followers, take away the kooky misinterpretations, but at its core has a very rational thought out worldview. Um, so, you know, I think as a Christian on the other side of the table here, you know, the, a lot of those answers are going to be, you know, well, I mean, God desires, God made creation to enjoy, and he created us to enjoy life with him, and we are eternal beings, and we're going to live forever. Um, so, I mean, science tells us that one day the sun will explode, sure. and the earth will be destroyed, and sure. then nothing we do here will have made any difference. Right. That's also what's, what the Bible what's, says. What's that about? What I do you mean, mean, what's that about? I mean, the Vatican will be gone. Every church will be gone. Everyone who ever said the name Jesus will be gone one day. And mm-hmm. no, nope, humans will be as forgotten as the dinosaurs. Just what? a couple bones here and there. Maybe the shell of an old Walmart. <laughs> an old <And> Walmart. <laughs> but I, I mean, humans, I think, are made to live forever. They are made to be eternal beings somewhere. If not, not on this earth, but I somewhere mean, I else. Be, I believe that. See here, now we're finding some agreement. I mean, I absolutely. Think, I think if existence is eternal... Here, here's here's the end of the day question. And we're almost out of time here, oh. but you know, if and I, if you hold, if someone holds the worldview of listen, at the end of the day, this is all going to burn. It's all not for nothing. Then why exist? Why th- why try and thrive? Why choose? Why try and do anything good with your life if it doesn't matter anyway? Well, why? you don't you don't know if it doesn't matter. Well, but the way you're talking, it sounds like you it get, doesn't you matter. You get dropped out of uh, of an airplane. You're swimming around in the ocean. You're grabbing onto whatever you can find to grab onto. And you do the best you can. We're all we're all scrambling in life. Every not just you, everyone. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Because someone has a pointy hat, or a funny looking uniform, or has a crown on their head, yeah. they want you to think that they can see what's behind the curtain. No one can see what's behind the curtain. Well, I think you and I would, would probably disagree there a little bit because I definitely believe and have seen. Not a person, but I've seen God work in my life in ways that you just people can't explain. And I've seen and I've heard and I've experienced things. I believe that if there is a God, which I believe that there is, that he's a personal one who desires by nature to be in community with his creation. In fact, that's here's the one thing about the about the Christian God that I love is that he was in community before time began with the Trinity. He was uh, an, an attribute of God, not a created thing, is community with what he made, with himself. So at the end of the day, I fully believe 100% that God is going to come back, that he's going to remake heaven and earth, and that he desires that people are with him on this all the way through. I mean, that's just something that is part of my core belief because because why else do anything? If there is nothing beyond me, if there's nothing else that matters, if at the end of the day this world burns forever and nothing I do here 
matters? Why even have a family? Why bring other children into this world? Why have a wife? Why well, express love? Well, enjoy it makes your, no sense. Enjoy your life while you're here. You'll have all of eternity to be dead. Being alive is something that can only be done now. So Maybe. enjoy it. And yeah. I'm not saying sure. like, oh, nothing matters. You can do anything you want to anyone. Sure. I, as I said, I do believe there's a difference between right and wrong. Sure. And maybe for all I know, it does matter. And one day we will be judged for yeah. how we behave on earth. You may as well behave just in case someone <laughs> is watching. Yeah. I mean, perhaps. But, you know. you know, we're here now and life is beautiful. It's a nice fall day outside. Right. You know, that's take it for what it is. But don't you this, think this that maybe our last day here? Don't you, know? you think that the beauty of life, like, and it is a beautiful life. When you really, when you really sit back and you look, I mean, life is a, it's a precious, beautiful, amazing thing that we get to experience. Even this interaction, just one of those moments where you're like, wow, like this is why, this is what matters in life. Don't you think that's a reflection of a greater being that put this all in existence? How would I know? I mean, I don't know what that means. Well, don't you think that that, that why does why does everything exist instead of nothing? Well, I don't know. It just does. Don't you think that I there's something intelligent it? behind and it? And if though? you say, well, God made it, then you can say, well, who made God? Well, You've just put off the problem. You that's know? not true. Because if God is God, He's way outside our realm, right? So God can be completely self-sustaining. You just, you just d- delay the question of where does it come from. But that's that's but that that can be said on the other end of well we just kind of showed up that makes no sense. Well, I'm saying we I don't know. There's, that's <laughs> what I keep saying, Tim. Is there's nothing wrong with saying I don't know? Okay, for the record, Hans does not know. So. <laughs> Your listeners must be so disappointed that oh. I was going to explain it all. I know. I was ready for all the answers, Hans. <laughs> Um, listen, man, it was great having you on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having we me. We had a, I mean, I feel like we covered a gambit of things. We started with the democratic debate, got into politics, hit the homosexual issue, uh, hit human and just existence. I think we, for one hour, we hit a lot. Yeah, sure. It was, it was ambitious. Yeah, it was definitely ambitious. Um, um, thanks to everyone out there for listening to this podcast. Hopefully, um, I feel like this is one of those podcasts where people are going to listen and we're going to make no one happy. I feel like no one's going to be happy on this podcast. They're just going to listen to and say, you know, Tim didn't, didn't defend the Christian faith enough, or Hans wasn't, you know, wasn't liberal enough. You know, you, we're not going to win this one, Hans. My friends will be pretty happy, I think. Well, you must have nicer <laughs> friends hope, than I do. I hope your friends are happy too. No, they will. I mean, I, I have good friends, I think, and hopefully, people out there listening enjoy the podcast. So, um, all right, everyone. Well, thanks again for tuning in. If that's what you do these days. I don't know if you tune in. I guess you just hit play. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. And uh, we'll see you next time.